Welcome to Have You Got Your Shit Together with me, Caitlin Orion, the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. On today's episode, we have Yasmin Ali, who goes by the name YA. She's a poet, a lyricist, a writer, an activist, a workshop facilitator, and she's an international slam champion who opened for Grandmaster Flash and is also the mother of three girls. YA challenges some of the most common misconceptions of poets, women and mothers, all whilst continuing to represent South Asian female creatives in the UK. She was the first spoken word poet to contribute to the world-renowned platform Colours, and she's headlined some of the biggest spoken word events in the UK, including most recently the International Voices in Power. I came away feeling so inspired after this conversation. She's so honest, vulnerable and articulate. She opened up to me about how suffering a mini-stroke led her to following her dreams, and we spoke a lot about global anxiety and how it feels to be raising children, specifically young girls, at a time like this. I could listen to YA talk forever. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Here's YA. This is long overdue. This is brilliant. Did you see how quick I went? Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Absolutely. And I found myself looking forward to this. Like, you're my treat for being so brave yesterday. That's so and when nice. When I mean, I was... go. I went to Vegas and opened for Grandmaster Flash. And what that was less stressful... Than the assembly? Than the assembly. What were you doing for the assembly? I just ran the assemblies. Year one, two and you three. You just ran it? Yeah, I, got, I went in as the guest. Oh, my they God. Were, and I do this. Yeah. There's not a school in Lewisham that I haven't been in That's and so run cool. workshops and done assemblies in, except my daughter's school. Wow. And then they asked me to come in. They are, thank you. They asked me in October. I had plenty of notice. I was like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm expecting a whole play by that point. And then... What age was it? Year one, year two, year three. And wow. then the second assembly was year four, year five, year oh six. Oh, my God. She had a whole run. I mean, gorgeous <laughs> kids, kids. And I've done that before. I yeah. was so confused. Mm. I was absolutely fine. I didn't sleep on Sunday night. You guys might have a little bit of a delirious version of me because I haven't slept enough. But I was up all night just practising, practising, practising the, the attention to detail because so I didn't sweet. want to embarrass her. And oh I also God. wanted to do a good job. Yeah. And then as I was leaving, my eldest daughter said to me, oh, mum, don't mess it up because you know if you do, you're going to have to see him every day for the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> and I went... <laughs> oh, my God. Everything was so meticulous mm-hmm. in preparation for this. And then it hit 9.20 and this wave just went flooded over me and I went I don't think I've been this scared before yeah and then I said but I I did I was scared last when's the last time you were scared like this the headline I was a bit scared like that of voices mm-hmm. in power no 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 before that when I was opening for Grandmaster Flash in oh front of thousands God. of people in Las Vegas oh. I'm that I'm I feel scared like that yeah and then I called Wizzy, I went, I'm more scared. I'm more scared than That's I was hilarious. that day. And he went, you're kidding me. They're yeah. kids, get your shit together. <laughs> what are you doing? And I was like, I don't want to mess it up. And yeah. I walked in and they set me up and then all the kids just went in rows, rows, rows. And then they didn't even consider that my child might distract me. So they put her right in the middle of no the way. hall, like in Simon the middle Cole? of the line like this. <laughs> like that, the whole time. It was, oh my God. It was brilliant. 
after I did a few poems, I was like, okay, I need a backup. I've got to do a rap. No one's <laughs> going to see that coming. So then I did this thing where I was saying to everybody, when I say AM, you can be, you say anything. And then they're like, okay. So that went amazing. Uh, you can be anything. We can be anything. So say cute. I can be anything. And then I did this whole scheme. Then I started feeling myself because the other problem was I was holding back. And then the minute I went, oh, you guys like that, do you? You can be anything, watch and see. I thought I was like, I don't know who I thought I was. I'm not lying. I was like practically like this. You can be anything, watch and see. You might be on TV like, hey, look at me. I thought I was Miss Rachel, Mr. Tumble wow. and Jay-Z all at the same time. Oh it was it was hilarious. Kids are terrifying, though, because they're just so honest, aren't they? Like, they're not going to politely sit there. If, if you've not got their attention, then they're, you're going to fucking ruthless. know about it. Absolutely ruthless. And what was stunning me is that I have had experience. All I've been doing is working with schools, and it mm. all felt like all of that led up to this moment here. Oh I was working in, like, Prus and, like, children that have been, like, considered that they've got extreme, I don't know, uh, learning difficulties mm. or whatever the, like, um, capacity was for them in that moment they were like children that didn't go well young people that didn't go to school and they truanted and they managed to get four of them in a room and they said okay we've got a special guest coming in wow. and this woman saw me in the corridor in this crew and was like okay um, we've told them that we've got a rapper coming in and I was like well, why did you tell them that? <laughs> <laughs> what is going to <laughs> when I mean there was like these four young South London guy, like teenage boys and she opened the door and they saw them all look at me like and then they all burst out laughing. No. I, I stood there and went, I'm not, okay, embarrassment is a self-inflicted emotion. Embarrassment yeah, is a, yeah, you're yeah. not embarrassment. You're not embarrassed. You're not embarrassed. And then I, I, the only way I could salvage it, any respect for myself, is if I clashed all of them. So I said, okay, put a beat on then. No. And then one by one, I earned their respect. <laughs> Battle wrapped to victory. Okay, well, YA. <laughs> Hi, by the Welcome. way. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you thank so much you. for traveling here. And I'm very excited to have time with you. I've admired you from afar for a while. <laughs> that sounds really healthy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just on the scene, on the poetry No, I scene. know. <laughs> Not physically outside also a window. Physically. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me no, no, not at all. I um as you know and I've voiced plenty of times or will continue saying it to anyone that will hear me I'm an absolute huge supporter of you of your work mm. of everything you stand for everything you do and your own talent so oh. this is my pleasure thank you for allowing me to spend some time with you well, that's very very kind um on a scale of shit to together <laughs> how are you feeling today together together mm -hmm. why um, I'm just in a good space in my life. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me yesterday, I may have not said that, but I, as I previously mentioned before, yesterday I did an assembly at my daughter's school mm -hmm. and I was absolutely petrified. So today I'm reveling in feeling accomplished and successful and like I did something challenging and it worked yeah. and I feel good so I think I'm on a bit of a high <laughs> of that post-adrenaline assembly yeah. it's five o'clock <laughs> cries <laughs> but um yeah so to get today I feel yeah. together I feel together Amazing. and very present mm -hmm. because I feel like I've got capacity to feel what I need to feel and I'm yeah. not distracted I'm not like I've got this going on and I've got this straight after it's just yeah lovely you yeah. know I feel good good um, so for people listening, what would you 
how would you describe what you do because you're so multifaceted when I when I was like on your website reading your bio it's just like you do so much how how would you summarize that for people never let them know your next move (laughs) (laughs) keep them guessing yeah keep them guessing keep myself (laughs) guessing um so like a summary of the things I do yeah yeah okay uh, I'm a spoken word artist poet writer workshop facilitator Mm. I'm a rap and lyricism mentor I public speak Mm. and I advocate I'm regularly in situations where I work with charities and organizations that Mm. empower um, all kinds of groups Um, and I am a mother and that's I think that's it. Oh, and a grandmother. Ooh, a grandmother. Yes. I can't believe that. Yes, yes. I cannot yes. believe that. I know. I wow. know. I I'm getting my head around it myself. <laughs> getting my head around it myself. Wow. Yeah. I look like the most out of order woman. It's like when we go out, I'm not holding the baby in a baby carrier and people just shaking their head, look at her. Just hold your baby and I'm like, Stop my baby. <laughs> I can't hold her. You literally look like twenty eight. So younger. It's crazy. I've been saying it to myself. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Wow. I kind of walk around and I think I may look younger when I hold the baby. It's <laughs> like a magic baby. It's like Rapunzel. Just wake up, flower, <laughs> gleam and glow. All right, stop. I'm going to stop. You can tell I'm proper. It's the greatest accessory to make you look younger is to yeah. carry a baby around. Yeah. Basically. And I do carry it under my arm when I am allowed to carry her. It's not, you know, it's, it's not very modest, actually. Mm-hmm. I just kind of hold her. It's like a hold all, you know? Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm mm. a mother, grandmother, amongst several other things. But yeah. they're the ones that come to mind at the moment. Yeah. So how long have you been on like the spoken word and writing scene? I mean, writing is probably longer, but the spoken word scene? Six years. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that's long enough or long. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> I I started about six years ago mm. prior to finding the world of spoken word. Yeah. I worked in the corporate like industry. I worked for private equity, property development, investment banking, yeah. and that was my area. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually do a lot of things that are creative. When I was about 18, I wrote a few songs in a studio in South London, nice. and then I left it. You know, I became a mother, <laughs> put it down, and then after I left the corporate world, I found it particularly racist in terms of my experience and I decided that for my own mental health I couldn't stay in it. Yeah. So one day I made a very executive decision to look for some more work and when I did I came across this really quaint, it sounds like a beautiful story, <laughs> I came across this really quaint gelateria in Greenwich wow. right by the Kaisar. Paint the picture. And I walked past it and it said it had a, had a little advert in the window and I said that's a bit of me. And initially it was only part time but when I went there they were like, yeah, we'll pay you more. Just do what you need to do. Yeah. And I kind of managed that business for a while. Wow. And I did that for a long time. Well, I did that for a, about a year or so, mm-hmm. a bit over a year. And during that year, life was great. You could take the girls to school, give them gelato. They had like, <laughs> they just lived as like Charlie the, the Chocolate Factory, but with sorbets yeah. and gelato. And then we, you know, we did all these other things with it, you know, wholesale. Um, we had a little bar that we, we used at the, like, did like suppers and stuff mm. like that really lovely really great experience um and we had a family vacation plan to jamaica and for whatever reason i had to get some money together in about three months in order to pay for our, like our big family yeah it was me my children's father and the girls so 
it was a big it was a big chunk of money and we had to pay this holiday off mm. but I overexerted myself to say the le- least and I worked exceptionally hard got the money paid the deposit but about a week after everything got paid I woke up one day and I climbed out of bed and my left side of my body felt a bit weird and I climbed over my seven-year-old at the time and I stumbled down the corridor and I called my mum and said something's wrong and she said, you've got an ear infection or something. I don't know. Get it checked out. Yeah. It's probably nothing. That can affect your balance maybe. Is yeah, that? it does. So I called the doctors, got an emergency appointment and came downstairs, um, managed to kind of slide down the, the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the stairwell, my daughter's little scooter was by the by the front door. Mm-hmm. And I scooted down Deptford High Street to the end of <laughs> the high street where I walked into the or stumbled into the surgery and after that I can't really remember exactly how it then transpired I just know that I started off my day being able to like brush my daughter's hair and lift a knife and fork and by the end of the day I had like a TIA which is some kind of form of mini stroke and um I couldn't lift my knife and fork I couldn't lift pen I couldn't brush the kid's hair I couldn't walk it took me about six or seven months to recover um oh my god and somebody would come around and just help me pick up the piece of lego um, that was their it's like job. Fine motor skills. Yes. Wow. And another person would come around and bring some putty, and then somebody else would come and just help me up and down the stairs. And that was my reality for a while. Wow. I pressured myself. I was, you know, I started looking after my daughter from when I was about eighteen, mm. um, just coming on nineteen, and I. I was overwhelmed and I've been working for so long and really taking on this pressure, like I can do everything. Yeah. And I think my body was just like, you can't. Yeah. So after I recovered, um, even though physically I was in a better place, mentally I was my most vulnerable. Mm. I felt like I failed um, because my body had failed mm. and I, I was really depressed. Yeah. You know, I was really upset. I was frustrated. I'm a perfectionist. I don't like letting anybody down and I couldn't take the kids to school for so long and I could barely, you know, learning to stand up and cook and have like that kind of thing that we all take for granted at this yeah. point. But I, I couldn't losing do that and agency. function. Exactly. Yeah. Losing your agency. And I couldn't function in the way I, I needed to as a mother, mm-hmm. let alone as just a, a human. Yeah. And that pressure was on me so hard from myself mainly yeah. that one day I was just so upset. You know, the girls were at school, everything was... Just me, just me and my own thoughts. And I picked up a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote my first line. Oh, my God. And then I wrote my second line and I wrote my third line. And by the fourth line, I realised that it was kind of good. And I looked around the room like, there's nobody (laughs) here to see this. Um, (laughs) And then I called my brother and Mm. I asked him to take me to this spoken word night. So I didn't even know that there were open mic nights at that time. So I just got this bit of work it was the first time I'd heard myself in a while and then I remember sitting there and watching this like film on Netflix and it just had an open mic night at the New Rican and I went oh this is a thing oh that's that okay so it just felt like divine guidance at that point yeah you know it was incredible Mm. so I googled open mic nights found out there was one in Shrem called my brother told him to take me walked in on the night like a few days later once I was accepted had this email confirmation say, yeah, we'll see you there. I was like, oh my gosh. Walked in, looked at the room, tried to walk out. He said, I've paid for petrol, get in there now. And then when I did walk in there, 
the Floasis was standing wow. behind this kind of reception area and was looking at me like she'd been waiting. Now she says it, she says it to me all the time. She said, I was waiting for you, <laughs> which is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then, yeah, proceeded to take the mic, had my first spoken word open mic experience. Oh my God. And it just changed, changed from there. I heard myself speak. Yeah. By the time I got off stage, someone else was like, okay, are you ready to go to the next one? I said, wait, there's another one. Ah. This isn't like a one-off. And then by the third performance, um, I was offered a feature. Oh, my God. Uh, like, you know, early days and they're like, here's your £20. Pound. And yeah. I was like, £20 pounds for my words? Are you kidding? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then it just started. It, it just, just rolled. Yeah, yeah. From then, yeah, from that point onwards, it's just been an incredible journey. Yeah. And I've had all these fantastic experiences and I went from not being able to even use my words to now that's everything I stand mm -hmm. for, which is why I advocate on behalf of yeah. like mental health or just empowerment full stop, mm. mainly because this, this use of exercising my self-expression changed my whole life. Yeah. Um, and that's basically how long I've been writing and how I came into writing. That's incredible. I had no idea that that had happened to you. I kind of... I talk about it. It sounds, anyone who's heard me say it will sound mm -hmm. like it's, it's a bit of a speech at this point, but I'm getting so used to articulating yeah. the journey. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm starting it's to. It's less be, emotional now. It's more just like. Factual. Yeah. yeah. And you go into rooms and you public speak about yeah. that or you, you know, talk to groups of women or girls about that and all these different environments mm. and you kind of get used to being like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. And now it doesn't weigh heavy. It's just, it's the most liberating thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. I love it. And empowers your work because I guess there was a period where you thought that maybe you wouldn't be able to stand up in rooms like that mm. ever. You know? Or do anything. And I think yeah. it actually is a huge representation of why I am the way I am. Mm. Because a lot of people assume that given the amount of opportunities that I am so grateful to have been given, um, that I, I would be particularly ambitious. And most of the time... I'm just happy to be in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to yeah. be there. So I think that's really poignant for me to just explain that 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 is what motivates me. Yeah. I don't have any expectation. Whenever I'm anywhere, I'm just like, oh, it's kind of cool to be alive today. <laughs> I've got plenty of things to make me happy. I've got plenty of things to kind of wow. work towards. And I tend, just because of all of that experience, I tend to look more towards a more optimistic view of life than I do to feel the pressures and really internalise them. Yeah. And I've worked very hard on myself to not respond to things that make me feel like, I shouldn't be grateful, yeah. um, which is probably another reason why when you said, have I got it together or not, I said together. Yeah. Because most of the time, as long as I'm breathing, I've got it together. But I think when you start to take that mentality, things start to flow yeah. kind of more naturally. Like I saw something the other day that was talking about manifestation, mm -hmm. um, but it was talking about it in like less of like a wishy-washy way. Mm -hmm. Not that it's wishy-washy, but just in terms of if you change your mentality rather than seeing yourself as a victim to things, if you if you tell yourself that you're going to be open to things, yeah. your behaviour will change according to that. So yeah. if you say that you're open to things, you will go to like open mic nights mm -hmm. and you will put yourself in situations where in the past you might have avoided it. But from those situations, because you've put yourself in that situation, mm. things will flow towards you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like creating more opportunities yeah. for yourself, isn't it, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree with the same sentiment. And I think it all depends and everyone's kind of got their own version of how mm. they interpret manifestation. Yeah. You know, it's no secret. I'm avidly, like, 
in love with the idea of having faith while mm. I'm here and just believing in a source and a creator. Yeah. So that is such a huge part of my work. Mm. But that allows me to fill up on a state of gratitude. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm here and I've been created. So let me just tap into that yeah. gratitude. And then anything else, it's just like, oh, yeah. let's see how this goes. What, well, what am I here for? Yeah. Let's surprise myself. Yeah. You know? Curiosity. Yeah. Mm. And I think life has taught me that I actually don't know anything. And the times I think I do know stuff, I'm the most wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I am most incorrect at times when I'm audacious enough to be like, I've got this together. I know yeah. what this is. I mean, being a grandma at my age was one of the most humbling experiences. Mm. And I don't really honour how much gratitude I have to be a representation of something new. Yeah. You know, it's not common. You're right. But I'm, I've never been conventional, clearly. Mm. <laughs> Nothing I do is conventional. <laughs> and I'm, I'm starting to make peace with that myself. Yeah. But in the midst of that, I, I realised so much of my identity, particularly when it comes to mothering mm. and being like motherhood, meant that... I had these standards and expectations I set for my children, even from such a young age to be like, yeah, you're going to do this and you're never going to do anything that I don't agree with or I'm going to have this cotton wall around you this whole yeah. time. And then my eldest, who's now the most incredible mother, oh, she's just, my heart is full even thinking about mm. her being at home rocking a baby right now. <laughs> um, but she taught me such a valuable lesson because when I realised that her path is her path, I had to back off a little bit. You have to let go. Yeah, yeah. and letting go made me realise I wasn't holding on to her necessarily. I was holding on to the version or the identity of me oh that I'd gosh. created yeah. in my mind to protect her. And yeah. it was so much of my stuff. None of it was her. She was just being young, yeah. you know, and she had every right to explore her experience yeah. of life. And I now understand that it's that mentality of me feeling like I'm so attached and my identity is based on somebody else's actions that that has led to me being a bit more resilient and open to surrendering to things I don't know mm. and admitting that I don't know anything yeah. myself you know um and I actually believe that realizing I don't know anything has led me to a place of more wisdom and that will better equip me for my granddaughter wow so it's all one and the same that. yeah <laughs> thank you okay so what does having your shit together mean to you um having my shit together means that I am functioning Mm -hmm. that I'm aware of my need to prioritise my health for the sake of those I'm responsible for and operating from a place of purpose and remembering my faith and allowing myself to honour my values um, and enjoy my family. Mm. And, and that is all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. That's what that means to me. It's just a case of me being able to do the things I do you know, because I, I, I'm so involved in so many different areas. One day I'm working with a group of young lyricists. The next day I'm working with asylum seeking young people. The next day I'm with my children. The next day I'm at a doctor's appointment. And it's like everything is just yeah. so different. In order for me to actually enjoy that, it just means prioritising myself respectfully mm. <laughs> you know it's, I used to think it sounded selfish and I never got it but I do get it now more than ever um prioritizing myself so that I can be my best version of me in order to accommodate and to assist those I love wow that's what that means yeah it's like making sure that your cup is full so yeah. that you can pour it for other people 
and not resent in that way yeah. because so many people do that. They'll they'll pour from a cup and then be like, they took it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I used to be one of them, to be fair. I think sometimes we go through different journeys where we don't actually understand the need to fill ourselves up mm-hmm. or to prioritise ourselves. And as a mother of three girls and now a grandmother to a granddaughter, oh, I, man. yeah, just, oh, house full of girls. It's just, should see us. Um, <laughs> Fun fact, the, the flow assist said one time she saw us walking down the road and we looked like ducks. They just looked like the, the mother duck and then just like a, a small row of ducks behind us, um, which is quite funny. I can't get the imagery out of my head. And actually, when I walked down the road, I looked back like I was happening again. Um, but yeah, that that prioritisation really allows me to represent to them how important it is to look after themselves. Mm. And I think being a active example of someone who wants to better themselves and the world that they live in is all I can offer them Mm -hmm. you know outside of trying to be a millionaire and giving them what whatever it is they think they need I know I'm giving them the things that I know I would have needed and will serve them in life Yeah. yeah life skills yeah I'm gonna get this life in together and you can you can learn with me yeah and we'll mess up together <laughs> um so before the podcast I asked you to think of an object yeah. that makes you feel like you've got your shit together mm-hmm. what is it it's a very very basic small diary okay but I mean I live by it I've mm. actually brought it so you can see it oh it is small yeah no it's tiny it's like pocket size yeah but I love it yeah and I I mean, I've got calendars, I've got... But it's something about the writing in it. And you can see, like, I'm really... Okay, it's actually really tattered and gross. I love it. But it's got, like, pictures of the girls in... That's so organised. It's got... No, it's actually the most (laughs) unorganised diary you've ever seen in your life. But it's like a prized possession when it comes to... Apart from the logical side of, okay, I've got my calendar and my dates in it, because you'd be surprised. I don't even have dates in it. There might be things in here that I've... So here I've, you can see on this last page, I've bullet pointed like the first lines of some poems. So wow. that that means I've been at an event and I've been scared about my set and I've changed it. Oh and I've, re, you know, I've just put it on there for backup. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not so much what it um, it does in terms of my diary. See, I've done it there again. Yeah, yeah. It's this immediate access. Yeah. yeah, this immediate access to something, which isn't a notebook. I almost don't like the notebook in that form of it. I love mm. writing in my notebook. But if I'm at an event and I need to put something down or I need to work out something that I feel or what is this? I just want to write down a word. I chuck it in this little diary. I almost fail to look back at it, but I know it's in there. Yeah. So it's become a bit of a comfort and I like the old school nature of it. Yeah. I like that, okay, what are you doing? I don't know, I have to check my diary. <laughs> it, it stands for everything. It's a metaphor for me taking time to decide whether I want to commit to mm. things like, you know, can you do this day? I have to check my diary. Now, this is so <laughs> little, I don't know where I've put it half the time. And that, that means, I find yeah, <laughs> I have to find it, then check it. But it's great because um, it then works out, okay, it gives me that little bit of space to work out what is it I need to do? What is it I'm going to do before or after? Have I got, am I going to have capacity? Yeah. Can I foresee me committing to this? In, and it's the smallest thing, yeah. but it's less convenient than this. I don't like, I want the inconvenience. Don't give me this phone that I can quickly put it in. I need to see it. Yeah. I need to get a pen out and like look for a pen. 
this diary is everything. <laughs> I've got to look for a pen. I've got to find the diary. And I make it sound like these are really simple things. Mm. But when you're on the way to school run or you have just finished free workshops or yeah, yeah. you're exhausted and mm. you you just want to have a day in bed, like it's just so much more than a diary to me. Yeah. It's a small representation of my life, but all of the little things in addition. So it's poetry events and trips away, but then words and the start of poems or a prompt or something funny my daughters told me and I didn't want to put it in notes mm. or, you know, just yeah. jokes and things that I love. And it's so small and unsuspecting. I can't help but feel like it is a bit of a representation of me as well. Yeah. You know, you would never think that I could fit all of that in here. And yet there's just everything in it. Yeah. Um, so my diary, but not for the reasons everybody would I love think. That. Can you tell us about a time in your life where you really had your shit together? Now. Now. There is no previous time. <laughs> There's no previous time. Honestly, <laughs> it's been questionable until today, this morning. Um, yeah, I would say it's now. Okay. And I had a good think about this one, mm. even though I'm answering it immediately and didn't know you were going to yeah, ask me yeah. it. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, now. Okay. Now, now, now. Why, why do you think now? As in right this second or like this Just This, this period of time. Yeah, this era of time. I've been looking at little Instagram reels and it's like, I'm in my, my healing girl era, <laughs> self-care era. And I'm like, I think I might be in it. Um, yeah, gulp. I recently was featured as one of the first spoken word artists on Colours, a Colours editorial. Wow. Thank you. And I performed this piece and I knew the platform was huge and I had all yeah. these expectations on on how I was supposed to look or how I wanted to present myself and in the end we opted for a very authentic humble in my own house I have yeah. a, a nice fun room at the moment I'm quite enjoying that <laughs> um but it was this beautiful representation of what it was I stood for and it was the most honest in relation to the poem mm. so what I'd realized is because of the nature of the importance of what it was I was about to do. I'm glad it honoured my words and that's my legacy. That's the one thing that I've put into this world that it doesn't matter if I go tomorrow, that girls have all of the messages yeah. they need in that poem. Mm -hmm. So I had this whole experience where I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. But when I watched it back, I was so critical of myself. And I think it's because the platform was so highly regarded yeah. for the first time I allowed myself to immerse myself in my insecurities now a lot of the time I'd just been used to functioning or being mum mode or those kind of things didn't really bother me because if I had a day where I didn't feel good about myself I can't show my daughters that to that capacity yeah. you know you just kind of get on with your insecurities yeah. but this one had me it I mean it had me in an absolute chokehold oh I was like that might have been a flaw from when I was 14 that might have been my issue when I was 18 like that I've been struggling with that since I had my first child like they were all these different insecurities yeah. and they were so prevalent in that moment that I had no choice but to admit how dysfunctional my relationship was with my own self-image. Yeah. With my own body dysmorphia, with my own relationship of self. And I think it was the first time I allowed me to be honest about how 
disconnected and detached I've been since kind of learning to move again and mm. functioning again, I don't think I'd really got back into the vessel. I think my mind, everything was very heady and everything was very spiritual when it comes to the poetry and everything was really empowering and mental. But I don't think I allowed myself to celebrate yeah. the physicality of being back here, having a chance, feeling not that I was ever not here, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and then the day after I wallowed because I had absolutely nothing to wallow in it's as well at the bad. same time, but it was completely mental yeah. and it was all self-inflicted. And I, I love it though, because what happened is the day after I finished feeling sorry for myself, because I can't, I, I wish I could wallow for anything more than <laughs> half an hour, but there's like four other do. people in the <laughs> house that will knock the door and be like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Um, so it, yeah, you just can't feel sorry for yourself, especially when my children are the way they are. They're absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think that may have been the evening that... No, that was before. It's fine. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Mm. Um, but I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself and I decided, okay, I'm going to go and get a gym pass for 30 days. Uh, so I bought my gym pass for 30 days and I said, if you can do this, it takes 28 days to form a habit. Yeah. You can buy yourself trainers on the 30th day. <laughs> and the next day I went and because I'm so intense and I can't do anything half <laughs> I then went every day every day every day the next day the next day the next day and in the midst of that then I had the the opportunity to then find out I was going to Vegas and LA yeah, yeah. and so I had something to work towards yeah. and after this month I then was like okay I'm going to get a membership you did it so I started to adopt this habit and I'm like eight months this is my eighth month wow so this is eight months into my fitness journey um really just the first the first few weeks I was like this is all aesthetics I'm telling you I was ready to be a gym babe and then, <laughs> and then one day I was on this particular like weight machine and I moved my legs and I was like god you're weak <laughs> then I realized don't talk to yourself like that so you're not weak you just could be stronger you could mm. be stronger and I admitted well, I could be stronger hold on why am I not strong oh because I lost strength in my legs yeah. and I had this like epiphany while I was there working out like this is so personal yeah. for you this isn't about other people this isn't about how you want to look this is how you want to feel about yourself this is how you want to feel about your body this is how you want to feel about your life so I I then put into practice all these different kind of affirmation stations you know I'd be doing cardio and the cardio is where I'll listen to um podcasts and you know I'll, I'll unpack childhood trauma that other people are saying oh this is what happens if yeah. you have childhood trauma or this is what happens if you have abandonment issues and that's my one affirmation station uh -huh. I do cardio and then I think about all of that's all very psychological yeah. and then and then the weights I will affirm my strength and allow myself to like remember things that might have hurt me and then all these little memories creep in but then I put them down because I work through them and then I I developed this routine in the gym that just allowed me not even for the sake of fitness anymore but just to really honor myself yeah. and as I have such a limited amount of time to work on me because my schedule is actually so crazy mm -hmm. and outside of that I don't know I'd just like to clarify on behalf of my whole family. I have a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> so sometimes it comes across like it's just a lack of availability, but it is because yeah. I have three incredible daughters mm. and a granddaughter. Yeah. So it's just you don't have that time. And I'd realised in that moment I was taking time. Mm. That whole I'm leaving, you're right to have your sisters or okay, where are you going to go? Like that kind of yeah. making sure that I was doing something for me yeah. outside of poetry, outside of workshop facilitating, mm -hmm. outside of the young people, outside of anything. Yeah. Um, 
that hour and a half is not even dedicated to my fitness. It's not dedicated to me looking a certain way. Um, that happens to be something that's obviously naturally occurring, yeah. but it's this beautiful journey of recognizing not only where I've been, but what it is I, I want to become. Yeah. And I, and that is why now is the best time for me. And it's not to say I haven't had times in my life where I haven't wanted to be fit or I haven't wanted to change how I felt about myself, but this one is really sticking. Mm. And I can't help but feel like, because I really hold this baby responsible. Ever since I've become a grandmother, I just... I just want to have my shit together yeah. a bit more. I just don't want to make excuses. I want to be the best for all of them. Mm -hmm. So it's given me enough backbone and conviction to be like, yeah, you can't really come back. It's a lifestyle change. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why this that's is amazing. the very time my yeah. shit is together. Yeah. I think that's why exercise is so good for so many people. And I think when you kind of move away from it being about an aesthetic thing, mm. because that can feel quite vapid. Mm -hmm. But when you realise that it is because like mentally it's helping you out and like yeah. the endorphins that it releases and stuff like that, yeah. that's I think when it becomes more integral to who you are. Yeah. yeah. And when you separate it from society's pressure. Yeah. And, and it's just basic mobility. Mm -hmm. What I'm functioning, I can move. I'm going to yeah. be here and feel myself move. This is great. Um, and then I think it's very personal, as everybody's experience in this life is very mm. personal. But for me, you know, as I said, when it comes to exercising my faith, it's almost turned into a bit of a prayer space. Some people yeah. go to church. Some people go to like, you know, the mosque or, you know, the synagogue or wherever mm. it is that they're going. But for me, I have this one moment where that I can't make any excuses as I'm moving I have to be like thank you yeah thank you for allowing me to move thank you for allowing me to be here thank you for being here and it just it just means that when I come back yeah I've got all of like the natural high you get after you come in, come yeah. out from a gym but then I get to pull back into the kids yeah and I can see it's benefited my relationships I think it's it's allowed me to be a bit more confident with who I am yeah and something as simple as this colors editorial Help me recognize that I was still beautiful the way I was before. Oh my God, completely. But I'm more confident with who I am in that beauty now. Yeah. It's like I I was denying my own greatness yeah. because I was too busy criticizing myself. So I had to, it's like going on a bit of a detox, really. It's so wild because I, I watched that yeah. Colors um, performance and it's incredible. Thank you. So sitting here and listening to you feel vulnerable towards it is so interesting because to me you just present as so self-assured and so strong in it and your work speaks volumes thank you but I can also relate to what you're saying because there's been loads of times so for example um the voices in power performance that I did the video um got released recently and I remember at the time feeling so powerful and so proud of it doing the performance yeah but then weirdly when I'm watching it back through like I guess like a third person lens, mm -hmm. I just become so self-critical of it. And I'm like tearing myself apart, which is fucking ironic because the poem that I'm performing is basically about like that. female empowerment yeah. and like fuck the male gaze yeah. and like all of those things. And it was such a weird thing to sit there and be criticizing how I look or that I don't, like that I'm almost embarrassed about how I'm performing and stuff like that because I'm still viewing it through someone else's lens as opposed to trusting how I felt when I was doing it. Yeah. And you know what? I couldn't agree. This is exactly what that is. Yeah. My words, undeniable, one of the most powerful things I've ever performed. Yeah. And I regret nothing about the piece. Yeah. But what I even regret nothing about how it was prepared. I wouldn't change a thing, not yeah. one second about how it was. It only went how it needed to go anyway, but bigger than that. I think it allowed me to become a bit more introspective. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Is that my stuff? Am I judging me on what it is I actually look like or deserve to celebrate? Or am I am I basing it on someone who I want to look at, one person who I want to look at me and think that is the yeah. most beautiful woman <laughs> ever. Like, let's just keep it real. Yeah, yeah, Am yeah, I basing yeah. it on what I want other people to yeah. think? Is it other people? Is it one or two people that I yeah. felt disrespected by? Or yeah. is it my abandonment issues? Is it is it me feeling like, okay, right, I'm South Asian woman. Mm. I've got all kinds of issues when it comes to like, um, not only like the cultural cultural aspects, but ultimately the need to empower myself yeah. um, as a South Asian woman so I can further represent the incredible, incredible like nature and heritage and origin of other people that are like me. Yeah. So am I doing it for that reason? Have I lost sight of it? What What was it? Was it me feeling like, if I'm really honest, it had nothing to do with the actual commission. It had oh. actual no, nothing to do with my contribution. Mm. It was it was me allowing people that had hurt me yeah. to get under my skin enough to say, that's still a thing. There's some residue there and I want them to not feel like that anymore. Yeah. Like, I want them to regret not treating me like how I wanted to be treated yeah. because then if they see me like... Which is ridiculous, it's so but it's crazy, something that we all yeah, do. Yeah. You know, you you don't mean to, but even from a subconscious mm. subconscious point of view, you kind of want the person who you want to want you to have seen it and then yeah, be like, it's... oh my goodness, this is the best epiphany I've ever had. <laughs> She's actually the most, look at her on colours. Right, okay, I'm calling her right now with a ring. <laughs> like, it was. it's just so silly. But if I'm honest, yeah. I forgive myself for not knowing that then. Yeah, but it's ha- also fucking human as well. And, and the truth I'll is, you probably to be are human. thinking that about the video, but thinking that you're so intimidating that they don't want to reach out to you. But we tell ourselves that it's like the opposite. Yeah, it's it's so yeah. mad. And I think that's just a little bit. I'm just into being a bit more authentic about stuff like that now like you know what what is the crux of this (laughs) okay maybe I was a bit rattled because I needed to look a certain kind of sexy for you to be sorry (laughs) oh you're not never mind (laughs) nothing to do with that but that societal pressure and all these things creep up and they they overwhelm us and make us think of something we've got to criticize within ourselves when in actual fact we've just got to be like I'm still feeling a little bit of a way about something I'm trying to heal from. I'm still working through my own flaws. Mm. And in the midst of that, I love an opportunity to find out that I have more work to do. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So that then that means I can do something about it. And it happened to be one of the most incredible opportunities to act as a catalyst for me to change myself. And I didn't change my body. I didn't necessarily change the things that I thought I had issues with. I changed my mindset, which again goes hand in hand with what we were talking about, Mm. this idea of attracting in your opportunities um, and honouring yourself. So sometimes honouring yourself isn't just standing there and being like, I'm empowering other people and I know I feel good and I know what I'm saying is poignant and I know what it's saying should resonate. It's about going, even in my vulnerability, even though I don't know the kind of things that might um, creep up within me mm-hmm. as a response to me being this brave, mm-hmm. even though sometimes I don't recognise my own power, but I know I have to stand in it, what is it I can do to exercise this version of myself and how is it I can further improve? Yeah. Um, and that is so important for me to live by. Yeah. And I love admitting that I've got flaws. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. I like the fact that I'm trying to do up unconventional at the moment. So if everybody's saying that I have to act like I've got everything together, I don't, but I do by having 
more honesty and telling people I don't have everything yeah. together, but that makes me have my yeah, shit together, yeah. you know? I love that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, a time in your life where you felt like you really didn't have your shit together? All of my life <laughs> until this moment. <laughs> until um, this very moment. I want to say the obvious answer, which is like recovery, but it wasn't. Even that was hard, but I still... That was purposeful, so I needed it. Mm. Um, there's been a few occasions where I haven't had my shit together. I would say starting out on the spoken word scene. Okay. Um, and I think that that makes sense because it's relatable. I thought I had a point to prove and I wanted... So at first, it was all about kind of my innate, natural, haven't been doing this, but you wouldn't think that I yeah. haven't been doing this. I was like, oh, it's kind of a natural talent um, <laughs> that I'm not going to deny for no one. Um, <laughs> and that then made me feel like, okay, I'm getting good at this. Mm. And you go through all these different phases. And I remember the first time I had my first ego boost. Like I met the children's dad when I was very young. Um, and my access to kind of any kind of attention, let alone male attention, was very limited. Um, but just attention full stop yeah and i started to realize like i'm kind of fly Ooh, uh, okay it does that okay, but does that. and i don't think people talk enough about <laughs> what that does you do one or two performances and you go for a phase where you go oh, i am the shit i'm the shit <laughs> and i think that was the time i'd like to draw attention to <laughs> And if Mishanki's listening, you enabled me. <laughs> um, but basically, there, there's a version of me that had this small pocket. Small, it didn't last too long, I tell you, my bubble burst. Um, that I was like, yeah, I've got something special about me. Yeah. And I, I don't think I understood the importance of humility enough at that time. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I was just living on a prayer and a wish. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that was the best way to function. And nothing specifically bad happened. Mm. It's just I can see how accustomed I got to being like, I could get used to this. Yeah. And in hindsight, it, this is like a month maybe out of my <laughs> life that we're referring to. I could have talked about everything from the first day I was born to here. But I'm going through this one month at the beginning of my spoken word journey. Yeah, I feel better now. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> this one month where I could feel an ego boost, but mm. that level of ego boost meant that I was more vulnerable. I was more vulnerable to just assuming things about each yeah. other people. So because I didn't have a lot of that interaction, I started to think, oh, I know what this is. You like me, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of level of just internal dialogue of yeah. writing narratives and just really just pretending like you've got all the answers, that ego boost will put you in that space. Yeah. So it didn't, as I said, it didn't last long. My children are ruthless. <laughs> I won a battle rap, huge, huge, huge success for me. Battle rapped, poets versus um, rappers. It was a renowned battle rapper. He was undefeated. Wow. I had the best lines, stood on stage. Again, another exercise I did really, really worked my butt off and then one day um performed whatever we're there the stage is there um I just win this battle rap and I step on stage and everybody's like yay and I still can't believe it because I feel like an imposter but I love it so I'm there yeah you did it you did it you showed up for yourself and I turn around to my right and my daughter was like 16 at the time and she said in my ear you think you're nice don't you (laughs) Look at you, mum. Someone's got to knock you a peg, like down a peg or two. These people, they just like what you did. Calm down. You're still normal oh YA to God. me. And she did this thing where she was just like, stop Humbled. it. 
stop it. <laughs> Come home and make me dinner. It was just the funniest thing. And from that point onwards, I was like, these guys don't, they don't let me, they don't let me do this at all. Mm. They're in all kinds of spaces where I have every opportunity to bask in my own achievements. Yeah. And they go, yeah, but what are you making for dinner? <laughs> yeah, but do they know that you don't like wrapping presents at Christmas and you can't iron? Do they know that? <laughs> you know, my, my daughter does this thing where whenever I say something rude about her, she's all like, so nasty and so rude. Cancel YA. <laughs> like, they do this whole thing where they're just like, you know, my biggest ops. Yeah, I said it. But I love it. I love yeah. it. And I think if I didn't have that experience of knowing what I could do mentally to yeah. myself, because none of this is an actuality. I never, nothing happened or conspired from it, but I can pinpoint, and this is what comes to mind, this version of me that was like, I know all of the answers and I know what everybody's thinking and everybody thinks I'm great. And it is just the most ridiculous notion of any kind of self-belief I ever mm. thought I had. Real self-belief is not needing the validation, yeah. but it actually identified to me a point in my life where I was most vulnerable because I was feeding into this idea that other people could validate me even yeah. for that short space of time yeah. in order for me to get this hit and I knocked it right out you know what I mean after after a month mm. I was like yeah this isn't gonna work but I, I was excited to go to poetry performances and I was excited to meet people but not because I wanted to practice my purpose or because I wanted to have meaningful conversations but for that short amount of time tiny tiny amount of time did I say it was tiny um <laughs> tiny amount of time that's what she said anyway um for that tiny amount of time I wanted more than just an opportunity to communicate my own message I yeah. wanted to feel validation and I think that's such a dangerous space yeah. to be in that I I definitely wasn't praying as much those days mm. um but I'm I'm back and I'm better guys yeah. hey aunt hey you do a great job in editing this podcast might I say if people like the podcast what do they need to do like it what else follow it on social media and then what they could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Aunt. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Okay, three things that make you feel like shit. Old things, memories. Mm -hmm. Times when I didn't feel like I was strong enough to advocate for myself. Um, times when I questioned my worth. So memories of... Memories in the residue of an energy that makes me feel like I deserve bad things. Okay. And that can come out in all kinds of forms. It can be the most unsuspecting time, but I have to put it down and say it's not me anymore. So sometimes when we're used to having negative experiences, we try and attribute them. Um, and my coping mechanism used to be that I used to tell myself I deserved those experiences because I wasn't worth having yeah. good ones. So sometimes it can be the, the smallest thing. And as I said, a lot, a lot of my... Um, healing error, yes, um, is <laughs> allowing me to to remember things because I've got capacity to remember it. Mm. And I just have to then go, oh, I'm going to have a bit of a vulnerability hangover for the next couple of days now. I've got to work through that. I've got to put that down and lay, lay that one to rest. But it, it could be something like, you know, times when I've had really difficult financial problems and you know, accrued a bit of debt and then something happens and I'm like, oh, have I got, like, the electricity bill happened the other day. It's like £800. Well, how? Yeah. How is it £800? Yeah. But in that, all of this old stuff came, something so quick and it creeped mm -hmm. up and then it was just like, you're not going to be able to pay for this. You're gonna... And it was the smallest thing. Yeah. So I, it's 
It's the residue of an energy. I sound like such a poet. I just can't say one simple thing. <laughs> but the one of the things that make me feel like shit is the residue of an energy that makes me feel like I'm worth less than I actually am mm. creeping back up into my life. I can't stand that. Yeah. That is one of them. Yeah. Um, arrogance. Mm-hmm. But not from a judgmental place, but this deep level of arrogance that means that sometimes you're dealing with a feeling of entitlement yep. to your peace. Mm-hmm. That's my second very complicated answer. <laughs> um, people that think that they can take shit from you, yeah. even though they know you're doing your best. Mm-hmm. That's my second one. Yeah. Um, don't say patriarchy, don't say patriarchy. <laughs> um, society norms, mm-hmm. corruption, mm-hmm. The, the way we're taught to function and normalise things that don't honour our humanity, yeah. our compassion, our safety, um, and our inability to accept that we have every right and responsibility to try and counteract it in whatever form that is. Yeah. So that could be, you know campaigning on social media that could be taken to the streets but that could also be honoring spaces in yourself which led you to believe that that was something that you could accept you know it doesn't have to be as dramatic and I think true advocacy and activism starts from a notion of you practicing radical love Mm -hmm. not only for yourself but I think it's so dangerous in this world to cling on to this notion that because things are so difficult we're not allowed to see the beauty in it and I don't live like that. I, yeah. I live by this kind of ethos or this mantra that like life is an astounding life and it helps me function and cope with times of despair or, you know, I have girls. I can't explain to you, Caitlin, the stress I feel sometimes when I'm like, she's on the bus, she's going to school. Yeah. Okay, have I spoke to her? All right, she's going to a friend's birthday party. Okay, she's having a baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could be the littlest yeah. thing. She's going to school. That you, You're... As a as a mother mm. of daughters and a granddaughter, the vulnerability you have to feel. Yeah. This is why I often talk about why I'm so deep in my faith. I've got no choice but to pray. If I actually, that's the only way I function. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to take that on. I've got to surrender that. That's that's bigger <laughs> than me, you know. Because if I really took that on from my perspective, yeah. I'd go mad. I'd go mad considering the corruption and the different mindsets and all these things that are working against my children within society. And that's just my children. Yeah. That's not me. That's that's not the young people I work with. That's not vulnerable groups in society. That's not, I don't know, marginalised groups. That's not the diaspora. That's so many different yeah. um, people that are affected by corruption. And we all are in our own way. Mm. But my third thing that really makes me feel like I'm going to lose my shit is corruption. Yeah. And feeling like because we don't know how to combat it, that we have to perpetuate it. Yeah. Just listening to you talk there, I think for me, what you're saying about like looking for the beauty that exists amongst the anxiety that is going on in the world, like I feel completely overwhelmed by like the news and all of those things. And I think I can tip into the negative kind of, well, we're all fucked mm-hmm. version. And, you know, I'm, I'm 28 now and considering like within the next 10 years, if I would have children or anything yeah. like that. And a big part of my fear towards that is is the state of the world mm-hmm. and I, I talking to someone who has children at a time like this how how do you when when you're so globally aware as well of everything that's going on how do you reckon that how does 
Oh, I love this question. Yeah. If you don't release anything else <laughs> on this, you need to do this answer yeah. here. Okay, being globally aware means I have a right and a responsibility to exercise my birthright to show and demonstrate courage, to claim my existence and to decide how I would like to experience my life for the limited amount of time I'm yeah. here. So other people's corruption and the, the negativity can't creep into what I decide, like decide I deserve. It, it can't do it yeah. because then I'm letting it win. And what I stand for is an active, honest advocate of what it means to be alive. I wasn't granted more life for me to deny it and then give that power away. I'm not doing that. Mm. The fact that everybody has their own right to consider how things would affect them, be it financially, be it mental health, whatever, however it then affects you, absolutely fine. But we deserve to be loved mm. and we deserve to feel love and we deserve to honour ourselves in the essence of love. And if that means having someone to love, you know, no one's taking that from me. Yeah. I get to grow up and, and the, I would deal with everything, anything and everything 10 times over because at the end of the day, I sit down with these most in, with the most incredible girls and it's not, it's not just my work or my purpose or my achievements. That's not what makes me lay down at night and go, do you know what? I am so rich. It's not my bank account. I don't care how much I get for a commission. It's, it's my 18-year-old saying, mum, can you pick that nappy up? And I'm like, no, you drop, pick your own daughter's nappy up. And then she says, if you do that, I'll give you a happy birthday. Now, I don't know what a happy birthday is, but that is my reason for living. The, the jokes, the, the humanity, the interaction, the, the, the car drives yeah. and, the, and the laughter and the, and the plans. And we're probably not going to go to Greece or wherever she, wants, wherever she wants us to go in a couple of months. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try because yeah. she wants to go, you know. And we're, we're, we're still going to be worried about art club and piano lessons yeah. and, and all these incredible experiences experiences that they deserve mm -hmm. but am I going to take away from my innate ability to love the way I know I can love for the sake of other people yeah. I can't give that I, I want to honor humanity I want to honor the feeling of love and and you know what I actually dare to be brave enough to be excited about it wow. so the reason why I then say for me in my experience I have to surrender everything else through prayer because it all it does is leave love and that's the only thing. It, it says, I give you my fears, I give you my worries, I give you my insecurities, help me process, guide me to being the best version. But outside of that, what do you leave me with? You leave me with purpose so I can stand in rooms with the actual young people, the asylum-seeking young people that have lost their families, mm -hmm. that haven't spoke to their mums in months, that, that can't contact their family or their relative because there's no internet in their village and they've come here through Turkey or through Sudan and they're sitting in front of me and all they want to do is feel some kind of love. Yeah. That's why I do what I have to do and that's why I encourage you to do whatever it is you need to do to honour love. Mm. It's so much more than what it is portrayed as. It, it wasn't designed like this and I truly, truly exercise my right to live an astounding life. Yeah. And that is what's going to um, benefit my children. That is what's going to show them the real meaning of being here. And that is me exercising love mm. for them and for me. Mm -hmm. So... I think the true power is understanding that I'm not giving my power away. I accept that it's negative. I accept that people are suffering. I accept that we're all hurting. I accept it's dangerous. But I also accept that I'm trying to do enough work on myself to navigate through those fears and to make it 
a pleasant journey while I'm here. Mm-hmm. We're not here for long. Yeah. I woke up one day and I couldn't walk. You're kidding. <laughs> you can't take my life back from me. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I'm a living example of it. Um, and I've seen enough miracles to know that at any given time, we we can be upset. You know, our, our idea of just being great, grateful today for the fact that we haven't lost anybody this week mm. in our immediate family. Yeah. let alone outside of it because you can feel the the stress and the pressure of humanity mm. but sometimes you just got to be like can't be in a bad mood you know i've got some family members that are still here i've got some yeah. legacy that i've got to leave of the fact that you know we we're creatives and we we have the ability to leave messages or leave our energy here mm. through our art through yeah. our vision through our insight i can't you can hear, you can hear my voice. I feel very passionate about this. But I can't stress to you enough how rich that makes us. Yeah. You throw a couple of kids in the mix for me. I want nothing from no one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, I got, I've got some banter. I've got some conversation. Yeah. There might be a couple of things I could do with here and there. Do you know what I mean? A date, mm-hmm. but not, that's not an invite. That's not an invite. Please, no. But you know what I'm saying? Slide like, in. you know, yeah. That's what that last Voices of Power thing has done for me. It's really messed up my life. I, I have this piece where I talk about... Um, being vulnerable and waiting for the right person and I start to say the right man will do this and the right man will do that mm. lo and behold there's a lot of right oh. men all of a sudden oh um everyone's all like yeah that's yeah. it that's what we needed now we have it confirmed <laughs> um meanwhile I have absolutely no capacity <laughs> I just want to go to the gym I think Ryan's done the opposite and scared because <laughs> I'm like fuck man fuck man. <laughs> If, if you can stand, if you can withstand the test of these words, then you've made it to the final round. No, no, it. you're all right. You've just set your standard high. You're okay. Not me. I've been like anyone. No, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. False advertising. I'm sorry. I'd like to put this out publicly. But I'm just saying there are things that I may also want to experience. But overall, I'm so content with the blessings I have now. Yeah. And I just can't help but really shout and exercise my passion when it comes to not deterring or detracting anyone away from their life experiences Mm. and their birthright to feel loved as well that is the most convincing argument that i've heard actually okay good good you You tell me anybody else that brings an an (laughs) argument to that standard i'll come back and then i'll challenge them (laughs) with a battle rap (laughs) uh three things that make you feel like the shit god Mm -hmm. purpose poetry yeah my faith I feel like the shit when I am in a room with young people and they are writing about how they feel Uh, I feel like I'm the shit when I've just like had an event and I've showcased talent from young people who didn't even know that they liked writing or rapping or Mm. spoken word I, I feel like the shit when I'm with women who haven't wrote about their own experiences and they're starting to write just four bullet points about how they feel about themselves and just that moment where they're like okay I want more um anything to do with being in my purpose anything that makes me feel like I'm here for a reason and not in a pretentious way but a lot of what I do I do because I want to know that when I leave I've made an impact and it doesn't necessarily have to be heavy hitting in a way that other people can measure it it's personal Mm -hmm. so purpose and then poetry, because that's my legacy. Mm-hmm. 
because I didn't come from a particularly wealthy family, that means that I can leave the kids loads of money. However, the first time their heart gets broken, they're going to be able to listen to a poem and go, oh, mum told me I'm not allowed to dwell here. Um, The first time they get a letter from a bailiff saying they need to give them money, they'll be like, mum told me it's more than the money. Yeah. Um, The first time they fall out with a friend, they'll hear a poem where I tell them to decide whether it was their fault or whether they should throw that person away. Um, My poetry is my direct path to the energy that I'll leave when I'm not here. And because I nearly left them, Mm. I have a responsibility to make sure that they can access my energy long after I'm gone. So my prayer is that my three main things that make me feel like I've got my shit together are exercised on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and that I leave knowing that I've stood for something which shows other people that this is an astounding life. I could honestly just listen to you talk. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I should be a radio presenter. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. The fear of people losing their faith in humanity. (laughs) Um, Poetry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Poetry makes me lose my shit in a positive and negative way. The negative way because sometimes I'm infuriated about the level of talent that becomes um, unnoticed or unrepresented by people who have every right to develop and learn more. So it's just access to skills and experiences. um, And that goes hand in hand with poetry and just art. So the idea... I've got young people out there that they only know food poverty and they haven't got enough money on their fingerprints and they're not thinking about writing how they feel. That, but they're heavy. (laughs) They're so heavy that they have the ability to write the most profound, insightful, beautiful piece of poetry that anybody could have ever heard, but their voice doesn't get heard. Mm -hmm. So it's underrepresented communities. Yeah. Yeah. Marginalised, Marginalised groups and also, yeah, just... The lack, the lack of opportunities is -hmm. what I would say. But it also makes me lose my shit in a positive way because it gives me something to do. Yeah. So it's just like, as long as that's a thing, which is probably going to be a thing for a while, um, I've got every right and responsibility to be like, yeah, I'm going to take that one on. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure that I can do what I can when it comes to that. moment that you found some shit out about yourself at the gym mm-hmm. poetry so interesting because I had this piece where I talk about I said something about straddling this ad- abdomen carrying a bag of sins to transcend good from bad bad things I wrote it four years ago mm. never thought nothing of it and I was at the gym one day and I didn't want to listen to music because I have to discipline myself so I don't start vibing and getting distracted <laughs> or get in the get in the zone go back to the dojo <laughs> you distracted woman um <laughs> I was on a little cross trainer and it kept coming up in my head carrying this bag of sins straddling this abdomen what is this what does that mean what does that mean it's because that means I've been carrying baby weight for for years what does this mean this is way older than like 13 14 years why is this a thing and I then had this moment where I was like thinking about all of the things I'd stored all of the trauma, all of the hurt, all of the memories, all of the things that made me feel like I didn't deserve to be the best version of myself. And I deduced in that moment that I was ashamed 
and it made me feel like I had to hold myself back and that I didn't deserve good things. And that shame led me to a point where I I would counteract good things in my life because I would say, because you did this wrong and because you made a mistake or because you didn't know better, therefore you deserve this yeah. or therefore that should be something you experienced. Mm -hmm. And I had this epiphany moment on this cross trainer in pure gym um <laughs> when we're all great things yeah everybody else is living their best life and listening to house music in the headphones around me and I'm there sobbing on the, on the cross trainer because I'd realized I'd been carrying around so much shame and guilt mm. at, over things that I didn't even know better about like I couldn't change them if I wanted to and I couldn't go back in time now and it became this whole thing and then I, I'd, I'd left and I drove home and I couldn't get out of the car and I was sitting in the car and I, I said this one prayer. Oh, I held my head down and I raised my hands up and I said this one prayer. Like, if I don't give this to you, I'm never going to know what this life feels like yeah. without berating myself. Mm. And I just said, if I could give it to you for a bit, just surrender it for a bit. I couldn't even commit. I've, I've been, I've had it so long. Yeah. I couldn't even leave it for good. Don't just take <laughs> it from me. Just hold it. Look after it for yeah. me. And that was the only thing I could do to allow myself this moment of complete clarity. And something happened and I sobbed in the car for about 25 minutes. And I think I napped for about seven hours oh after that, after this deep purge. And I, I just felt this weight of energy just lift from me and... I realized I had that was the first thing I did to give myself a chance. And I think that went hand in hand with me putting down the past and not blaming myself and being a little bit more stronger within me to stick up for the bully that is me. Like I am my biggest Flo calls me my biggest hater. She has absolutely no time. She's like, Did you just say that or did your hater say that? Because um <laughs> She's horrible. Can you be nice to my friend, please? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's really lovely for me because it allows me to recognise I have, through my own experience, when bad things have happened, I have told myself that they've happened because I didn't deserve good things. Mm -hmm. That became a coping mechanism. So I got used to telling myself that, okay, it's only going to be bad. Or if it is bad, if it isn't bad, it's only going to be for a short amount mm -hmm. of time. So we do that in order to, to pacify our level of disappointment and we normalize feeling bad about ourselves oh this is because you're this so then I I gave so much energy to this self-critic this person that doesn't even want me to win yeah and then I'd realized I was fighting myself so that moment at the gym when I'd given up the shame and I came home and I cried it out and I slept and I re-emerged from this nap <laughs> I went oh you're the problem. <laughs> it just left me because I gave the shame away. So now it's just me challenging my old habits, challenging my old mindset, challenging my own ways of thinking, identifying and dissecting what that was, what makes me do that. Why do I, why am I like that? Oh, okay, that makes sense. And giving myself some forgiveness mm. so that I can then give myself a bit more of a chance to do what it is I came to do, which is show my children that because of the type of person I am, I'm going to change and improve to give them the best insight into love. I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it because that's the best thing I can do for them. Yeah. I have a responsibility because of the type of love I feel to fix me in order to honour them. 
And to love yourself as well so that you yeah. can love them properly. And I'm worth loving. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Have you met me? I'm <laughs> all right, I am. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, kidding. Someone's <laughs> got to love me. Might as well be me. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shittest piece of advice you've received? The shittest piece of advice I've received is that I shouldn't believe in fairy tales. Okay. Tell me more. I'm my own fairy tale. So whilst it's so dependent on all these different characters, I think I may have been all of them. And I might be Prince Charming for wow. myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my shittest piece I of advice. Because I was so busy trying to communicate my need to have a happy ever after. I didn't realise that I, I am the story as it's being told. Mm-hmm. Okay, shit you wish you'd known sooner. That I'm enough. Mm-hmm. That it's okay to put the shame down and have a period of time in your life where you experience good things with an open heart so that you recognise how grateful you really are about being here and then you perpetuate that gratitude. Um, That I am beautiful inside and out and that, that this life is astounding and that I'm deserving of all of my experiences and even the challenges are sent to test me but the tests are so personal that I'll only improve from them that for me faith is just an incredible journey to strengthen to pursue to Mm. develop and I don't really do things half-heartedly so I decided that if I feel the way I do about my faith I'm going to immerse myself in it and anything less than trusted in myself and God and my belief system of being here for a reason and living in purpose and feeling love isn't actually pursuing faith there's saying I I adopt this and I understand that practice and I get that but actually I've got all of these problems with it um but I'm stripping it down to just belief in something Mm -hmm. bigger than you and deciding that trusting in that is worth pursuing so for me faith is so much more than just a concept or an idea or a feeling or a belief or even a way of life. It's a thought process. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between me going, I'm supposed to be here in this room with you or I've just got an opportunity. Yeah. Um, And that is something I wish I knew before because it meant I wouldn't be so hard on myself when I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. I would have understood I was supposed to be there and that these decisions aren't made by accident and it only goes how it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And is faith something that you've had throughout your life or is that something that's got stronger as you've gotten older? I think I've had it mm-hmm. throughout my life, but I've only advocated for my journey yeah. of my faith through poetry. I think I've explored it more. Yeah. So let's say prior to six years, I might have felt something, I might have said a prayer, I might have mm. cried a little, but I, I haven't... I remember the first time I realised... I might not be praying. So for me, the the prayers were, this is coordinates. And if you go via that route, then that's how you connect. That's yeah. how you tap in. And I remember the first time, and I'm, Flo is all up in this. She's, <laughs> wow. Peppered. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> extra, extra, extra. Um, the first time she said, oh, you know, we just tried talking. <laughs> I was like, what? You just tried talking. It was a game changer for me. Mm. I remember I would start driving and just being like, I kind of, I know you know my heart already and I yeah. know you know what's going on in my mind, but um, this is how I feel. And that communication opened a different level of connection. Uh-huh. And through that connection, I went, I'm 
I'm all about this. Mm-hmm. I'm all about this. Just for the for the opportunity to seek solitude, yeah. for, to seek solace, to have refuge, to feel comfort. That this is this is a bit of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, when you're raising free girls in such a vulnerable, corrupt place, mm-hmm. um, it's the only comfort I can really yeah. allow myself to to counteract mm-hmm. that level of fear or worry that I don't. I don't prioritise because I, I have to just practice putting it down. I feel it, know the issues. What can I do practically? Everything else, I give it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, amazing. Okay, so we've reached the moment of a shit shot, yeah. which is a photo that to the outside eye looked like you had your shit together. By the actual time, you definitely didn't. Every single photo. <laughs> I, every single photo I've ever had. Um, yeah, I had one. Uh-huh. It's me in New York. And Mishanki's not going to like me saying this because she was with me, so she's going to be <laughs> affiliated. But um, it's this one here. And I look like I think I'm fly, right? Yeah. yeah you, get the, you, get it, you get it. Um, Little selfie. Selfie one. I was broke. I had to go home and, like, worry about money. And yeah. I was supposed to be out there like, this is great and... I'm making money, but I wasn't. Why I was. We, there? we we'd gone over there. We'd done a few performances. Mm-hmm. Um, entered a couple of slams. I won the Nurekan Slam. Oh my god! There. So we had this one night. Went and did that. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, but it was this really intense kind of schedule of just basically. How do I say it without sounding like I'm from South London? No, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Bussing up <laughs> New York um, <laughs> and hitting up New Jersey. We went to Philly. Like we wow. just, everything was poetry. Everything was writing. Everything was mm. just performing. It was great. Incredible, Sounds incredible amazing. experience. But I missed my kids in that picture. Mm-hmm. And I'd missed them so much. And I didn't understand how to process that feeling. And I didn't have money to be out there. But I was out there. But again, it only goes how it needs to go. But the reason why that is the picture that comes to mind is because it is an honest representation of what it means to to be clear about your means and knowing that that's fine. There's going to be times when I have to show up in other areas and it might not make sense because I don't have the money, but I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that I got through that. So I, I didn't have my shit together in that picture and we had this whole time away where we had a great time and we were working really hard but I didn't have any money um well not enough yeah not enough to justify being out there and and feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. so that's that's the picture yeah thank you thank you so YA yes have you got your shit together yes yes yeah I think so Mm -hmm. gulp yes (laughs) backtracks i think so <laughs> wait goes forward yeah all right changing gears yes yes i do i do have my We're shit together yeah um yeah i have my shit together more than i've ever had my shit together mm-hmm. before i may not have all of it together yeah. but i've got a hell of a lot more than i've had over the years mm-hmm. amazing well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> sounds so cool and then goes thank you for having me <laughs> And here is a poem from YA called Better. YA. I think I'm better at this bit. I'm more better than I am sick. I'm grateful for the gift of more love from him. You see, the more I love the most high, the more I love within. And I love my kin. 
I love my skin. I love my blessings. I loved to think I was on the cusp of it. Faith-filled but scared to fully immerse myself. So scared to trust in it. I want to feel just in it. Just me. I'm just if it's about we. Just me, not us. But give it. It's time to live it. I no longer doubt my blessings. Everybody's asking, but he's the answer to all questions. Every test, every session, every lesson was by his design. I was thinking about living in this measurement of time. What an astounding life. Like even the mind's thoughts amount. So as your body grows frail and your time counts, the fears you found no longer drown you in a space where you can still feel down. So when life gets deep now, I won't clamber to find my way out. I'll swim down. I'll pray and I'll wait to be found. I'll know my prayers are allowed. Like if my prayers were a sound, they would be so loud. I used to choke on their compliments. Now I have a responsibility to honour love with confidence. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman... The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together. Now and then I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you 